we tend to have these sort of, well, you got to sign up and give me your personal information first, and then we need this other, blah, blah, blah. Like, how can we get rid of that? So that's something I've been playing with lately. Um, and so I'll sit here and be building these apps for... Welcome to the Infinite Creative Podcast. My name is Sean. My ombre over here is Fitz. And today we are with Lindsay Whitmore-Collins of um, WLCM Studio. Welcome. So, Thank you, Lindsay. Welcome. So do you Hello. mind, uh, I guess, kind of talking first to kind of what you do? What, what is it that you do? Um, I know that you're kind of a UX development mind, but I'm sure you can do a really good job just explaining yourself. So our agency is pronounced Welcome. So it's oh. it's spelled WLCM, but it's pronounced welcome, and it's and it's a long story, but yeah. Um, anyway, yeah. So uh, I own an app design and development agency, and where I really focus is on user experience design, user experience optimization, user experience testing. Um, we build software, super high quality code, really like great processes, but we don't just want to build software. We want it to work. Um, we want to get, you know, knock it out of the park for our clients. So we are, are also really interested in, and, and I'm really interested in and challenged by that sort of next phase after you launch, how successful can you be? Um, yeah, it's kind of like trying to get a hit song. It's, it's not that easy to do, you know? So, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's a, there's a lot to, to launching something, right? But then a lot of people forget about what happens after the launch, right? So mm-hmm. you, have to, you have to sell the product, right? You have to get... So, so in your case, a lot of time, it's an application, I'm sure. So, mm-hmm. so I guess talk a little bit about that. I mean, a lot of people don't really think about the marketing of an app. Are you guys thinking of that like early on in your process? Or is it kind of during the process, after the process? Well, at Welcome, we really focus on the product. So we focus on the product-led marketing, as in how does this product, based on the way that it's architected and presented, it, it, it results in high adoption, high usage, and inspires people to share. So what are the mechanisms within the app that make those things true? So that's our domain. But there is a much broader area of marketing for apps that I think every entrepreneur is going to be interested in. I think there's a pre-marketing part where you want to build up your wait list or ask people to request an invite to your product. Um, I try to have one of the products that we're going to launch, I want to have at least a thousand people waiting for that product before I launch it. That's kind of like my um, metric. That's because it's a mobile app and I know that I can probably rank in the app store if I get between two and thousand two and five thousand downloads on day one. So I wanna to try to hit that number. So at least a thousand, I wanna have two thousand. So that's where my metrics are. Um, and then within that product I want it to be super shareable, super easy to use, fun, all those sorts yeah. of things. So, yeah. So that is very interesting. So first off I have like so many questions. So how many apps did you already designed and how many products have you launched before? Because it doesn't sound like it's your first um, attempt <laughs> or run. Yeah, so I've been doing this for 13 years um, oh. and have launched well over 100 products. I think we hit the 100 product launch like, I don't know, like three years ago or four years ago. So um, we, you know, so we've launched a lot. Like, And you can create a process by which you can make 
solid software, but I think that next challenge is like making software that's really gonna hit, you know? Yeah. Um, so that's, that's where I'm really focused on for my clients. Well, that's, that's really interesting. So, I mean, so, so, okay, you've done a hundred products. Um, so, if, so if I was kind of a young, younger person and I'm, I'm hearing that I'm, I'm like, wow, I haven't made one product. I mean, can you talk about what got the first product? Like whatever even started your first product? Um, I, okay. After college, I'm an environmental engineer by trade. So this isn't my field. I was living in South Africa. I came back to the U S and everybody had blackberries. So this was like entering a whole new world. I just stepped into the future all of a sudden. Um, and I thought that it was super exciting. You know, the, the app sphere opened up a whole new, it's just an incredible medium, right? Cause we have websites, that's content exchange, but then apps are tools that people carry around with them. So the potential and also the fact that you can create an app and you can ship it globally right away and then you can change it while it's in someone's hands. Um, that's magical. Like nothing, no other medium can do that. So that was really exciting to me. And I had an app idea. I mean, everybody did, right? And everybody yeah, probably yeah. does, but like those were early days. And I was like, oh, I got this great app idea. I raised a bunch of money. I got a grant um, and I hired an agency to build it. Long story short, it was like a giant waste. I lost a lot of money because people didn't deliver. Um, I, I ended up teaching myself UX design because that was the most interesting part of it for me and just, just essentially architect, like the architecture of a product, information architecture, the user journey. I apprenticed with a, an expert in that field from MIT because I was in Cambridge at the time. So he really put me through my paces and was, um, you know, merciless with me and that helped me quite a bit. So I essentially was able to, over time, kind of refine the design of this product um, and then kind of like piece together a development team, um, but really ended up with something totally mediocre. And um, mm-hmm. But at the same time, you know, it was early days in the App Store and I got a lot of visibility on this product. So while in my mind, and I think this is something I'm coming to terms with as a person, like everything I create, I don't think it's that good. Like I'm always like, could be better. <laughs> can see be better. all the ways it can be better. Yeah. But it was actually a pretty successful in the sense that I got a lot of press and visibility. People were writing about it and um, people were writing to me because they wanted to make their own app. Like, how do I do it? I have an app idea. And, uh, you know, it's like watching somebody who's a totally good person who you like and are fond of just walking into a pond that's full of alligators. And like, I know where those alligators are. Like, you know, this field is similar to maybe like car repair shops where it's like you don't understand what they're doing or, you know, how to value the work. And so there's a high there's an opacity that, you know, increases the likelihood that you could be taken for a ride. And I think this field in its early cowboy days, there was a lot of that. And I think there probably still is like, you know, some low quality shops out there. But. Anyway, so I started helping other people and everything else happened. Yeah. 
That's really cool. So, so I do want to focus a little bit on your, so you got an apprenticeship and I think that's, that's a cool moment. So that's something like in my, in my young, when I was a young designer going to, to art school and I was, I was graduating, I, I had a hard time finding a good mentor. I had a few that I kind of, I went through, but it, it just felt like it was either combative or they didn't really give me what I want. And, and I've seen some other people that have been able to find that apprenticeship or, or find that mentor and that kind of carried them forward into a whole other dimension. It sounds like that's kind of what happened to you. How did you, how did you find an apprentice? I guess, how do you, was it, was it just by chance or being the right place, right time or. It's gotta, I, I don't actually even remember how I found you, Han, but I, I don't remember. Um, but I, I did actively ask him to look at what I was doing. And I asked him to do that over and over. But I didn't ask for much more from him other than that. So he just would show up and just tell me everything that was wrong with what I was doing, uh, which was fairly easy for him, right? It wasn't a big ask. He's just like, yeah, well, no, I wouldn't do that. And this isn't obvious enough and whatever, you know. So um, he was he was great in that respect. I just don't remember how I met him. <laughs> Luck. <laughs> Too long ago. <laughs> it's yeah. okay. There's been a lot that's happened since then. Yeah. Yeah. I have a question, though. Um, the market then was probably really easy and not as competitive. But how is mm-hmm. the market now? What, how, give us the rundown. What is the environment right now? It's so competitive. It's so competitive. If you have an idea, for sure, somebody else also has that idea. Um, so it does kind of feel like a winner-takes-all marketplace. That being said, there's a lot of space. There's so many users. You know, there are many different audiences. I think that it's really valuable. That, that, that shouldn't dissuade you from creating the product the way you want it to be. I think you should do that. Um, I think also you really have to ace it entire you've got to put the effort in to like make sure that you're executing the in the best way possible ideas are a dime a dozen but you know five people can have the same idea the way that they execute it is going to be so different the whole experience is going to be totally different person to person to person and one of those two of those maybe three are going to really sail so you want to try to get the right people on your team to make sure you do it gotcha. well so, yeah. so i'm interested too so so what was kind of your first um hires on your team i guess i think that's an, another interesting thing like i i'm kind of going through now with my firm where it's we've now grown to a place where i kind of need like a, a lead developer right that's only handling development i need someone to kind of handle the sales part i guess for you what was those first pieces you really found you needed uh it was well, with that app or with the agency? I guess just with the agency as a whole, I guess. Yeah, so I built the agency accidentally, I would say. Like, because it, it really wasn't my intention to do it. Like, I had this other uh, startup I wanted to make. Like, I was like, software is like pain in the ass. But I was helping these other people out with their projects. And so I had. I had one developer who I was working with, then I had two, but really like a, a good technical team. You should have a front end developer, probably also a back end developer. You can have one person who's full stack, but what's likely is you'll have a mobile interface and a desktop interface and a back end. So those would be like, could be three separate specialists. Um, and then it just, yeah, but early days it was just one developer. Then it was two developers. What's crazy is it was years before I really had a solid QA team and project management team. 
I was yeah. doing QA and project management on my own, which is insane. So like you couldn't possibly do that with a high quality, lot. really. Like how many signups can you handle with like Q&A and all that other stuff? Like as one person, I'm just like, I can't imagine. Yeah, yeah so it wasn't very good. I mean, and I, um, I would say, you know, like hiring QA specialists was like a game changer because these are these are specialists. They're engineers, you know, in their own right. And so they can map out every single way to test any feature. And here's like, first thing they'll do is like break down the work and then they'll write for each task. Here's the acceptance criteria. I'm gonna accept this if it meets all these things. So then they hand it to the developer, developer hands them code, they test them, they talk. The mm -hmm. QA will also find will try to troubleshoot exactly where in the code the issue is happening and what the error it is, so it's yeah. easier for the developer to just go in and fix it. Um, but QAs are incredible and they're unsung heroes, I think. I think, you know, in any um, any software project, you really need to have a good QA. Um, it's hard, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a that's a yeah, it's a difficult one because it's it's interesting because um, when you think about that, you know, when you're starting your company, it's it's it is an interesting because you do you want all these kind of more C level positions, right? So so I could see how QA just gets kind of pushed farther and farther down. But you're right, there's a point where you're you're just missing things, right? And hopefully you didn't run into that. Mm -hmm. But I feel like that's that's the point that even I as a web designer, you know, I've found that I've I've needed at least if I don't have like a QA person, but having some QA kind of workflow of like, hey, I'm going to send this to to someone I know to really look at, and I know they're going to give me honest opinions, kind of like um, how you were in the beginning of your of your career, having someone kind of looking at you and giving that feedback but but yeah it's 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 incredible when you're out there by yourself without that it's it's a scary world <laughs> yeah i mean you just do the best you can with what you have you know you can't always have mm -hmm. the ideal setup all the time so that's just you know you so how big is how big's your team now i guess would you say we are 22 people full time and then there's like two or three people part time Wow, that's awesome. Um, and I guess during, um, I always like to ask, um, during the pandemic, I guess, what, what happened to you guys during that whole period? Um, I know our agency had a very big upsetting force right when that all started. Creatives, all so. creatives were kind of like, oh, this is kind of rough. <laughs> I'm still, you know, I, I survived COVID. Um, there was that month of April, there were two big clients who just said, oh, we're not going to pay our bills. And that was like, oh, we're not going to pay our bills like for last month <laughs> or this month. And so that's mm -hmm. a pretty difficult thing to survive. But I knew that I didn't want to pass on that burden to my employees. So that's just a personal hit. Okay. Mm -hmm. I can survive this. I can put money in whatever. Those, one of those clients still owes me money. Like, you know, I'm just like, okay, well, maybe you'll pay me. I'll pay you back later, whatever, you know. Um, you live and learn. I've made, I've made every mistake in the book. Like, we can talk about mistakes. Um, oh, we loved it. We loved it. Well, we can't avoid them. <laughs> I've got a whole library for you. Yeah. Um, what are, the, what are yeah. the beginner mistakes? Like, if you have somebody who's in your position who wants to launch a couple products and is like, what are the common ones? Um, I think the biggest, uh, 
Well, the biggest thing that I would advise someone who's creating a product might be a little bit different, but in that case, um, one of the things I, there are a lot of just common pitfalls that one falls into as a, as a founder or like the inventor of the product. Um, just, I think that you can get too close to the product. That's true of anything, right? And you really do need to invite other voices. You might think that you are your user and you might be your user, but you're not all of your users. And so you really need to have conversations and be showing your product to other people. Um, Not only so you can find areas where you haven't done all that well, but something that I've found is like, I'll have built something. So we always build our own products at Welcome because this allows us Mm -hmm not lose sight of the stakes and perspectives of a founder. So I can, I, I'll yeah. say like in, in this present <laughs> moment um, with one of the products that we're creating, I launched a little sprint feature and this is on a beta build and I had some people look at it and I wanted to apologize for like eight things before they even saw it. You know, like if somebody like, listen, I know this is wrong and we should probably format this differently and put this in this order and blah, blah, blah. But I had to hold my tongue. Oh, that's a tough one just let them look at it and um, they just liked it and didn't even bring up any of the things that I thought were really fatal issues so uh, Mm. it can it can really go both ways I think it can stop you from spinning and overbuilding Um, I think you know also I will find founders kind of pre-launch spending time energy budget on things that are going to impact very few users like and only a uh, super user, right? So like you need to get users first. You need to get super users first before you start building for those because yeah. Mm. So those those kind of decisions on what to create pre-release versus not can be really tough. Um, yeah. That's interesting. Um, so, so with you kind of moving, you being the founder, right? You being the client on some of these projects, I guess, what was the biggest lesson you took away from that? What was like the biggest thing where you had to slap your own hand and be like, no, don't do that. Like, um, with, with TYA, I think something that I know and like a kind of a trend over the past year is to, what I've been trying to do is eliminate onboarding to allow people to just mm-hmm. enter the experience and see if they like it you know like we tend to have these sort of well you got to sign up and give me your personal information first and then we need this other like how can we get rid of that so that's something i've been playing with lately um and so i'll sit here and be building these apps for my clients where we just don't require account creation at all and we do blah 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 then for my own product i'm looking at it and it's just like come on i have a whole i require a user to set up this app we're making is called that thing I told you about. And mm-hmm. it's like you create these lists and um, the first list that you create is your starter kit. So this is Sean's starter kit, Sean and six mm-hmm. things, right? And then you can share that and whatever. Um, so I have people re- required to make one of those before they can enter the app. Mm-hmm. It takes like I timed somebody doing it and it took her, I think six minutes. Like that's too long for an onboarding, right? So I yeah. find myself just when I'm, I find myself make, I think it's interesting when I find myself making these mistakes that I would advise myself against in a different (laughs) way. But yeah. 
Well, it's interesting, yeah. And I mean, I, I run into the exact same thing, right? Because when we do these processes, they're quick and we don't even realize it because, yeah, we've carved those neural pathways already, right? So we're doing the things really quickly. And then, yeah, I put it in front of someone, you know, I'll, even to this day, I'll still even have my mom, I'll call her up and be like, mom, open up this website and I'll just <laughs> listen. If I hear lots of sighs and, uh, and she's starting to apologize already, I'm like, okay, you messed something up here. This is not as clearly... You know, so it's 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 funny. It's it's a trap we all fall into. Um, you know, I just recently launched my own, relaunched my own website, right? And it was so funny to like see things that I was telling clients not to do. Of like, you know, like no, you put too much text there. No one's gonna read that. And and like, what is the ordering of things? Why are you putting that first? Sure, that's like beautiful and stuff, but that's not the point. And just all these same things. Mm -hmm. I so so I, I almost I started to almost do a flow where I would output the whole website as a PDF, print it out, sit on the other side of the you know of the studio, and just act like I'm someone else in the company even and just be like yeah. objective just redlining stuff crossing it out you know doing what all my teachers in art school you know just tear it off the wall and be like do it again like doing that kind of mentality you know and um, being rough you know which yeah. it sounds like that's kind of how you learn too you know you learn by fire a little bit you know there wasn't any hurting feelings it was just like nope we're going to teach you quickly yeah and I think that you know the other thing about this too is like you what's great about software at least is you can change your mind and change anything about it whenever mm -hmm. you want so i think that a lot of times founders can be paralyzed by like what order should we put these screens in what exactly should the copy be should we frame it this way or that way and it can start to feel paralyzing but it's just just choose one we test it, we gather analytics, we'll try the other one, gather more analytics and see what wins. You know, this is an iterative process and we can't know until we try, you know, so. Yeah. yeah. Well, I kind of want to shift gears a little bit to, um, you know, so, so, you, so you're in a Ukrainian-American company. And first, I guess I want mm -hmm. you to explain what that is. I'm not sure if you're Ukrainian-born or if it's most, most of your employees, but... Um, obviously, um, the Russian invasion, all of that happening. I'm really interested to hear that story um, and kind of what, how did that affect your whole team? Um, completely, totally, absolutely devastating. Um, I think it was something that I really felt was imminent because the New York Times was leaking all this stuff and, you know, the mm -hmm. US media was saying like Russia's gonna attack on Wednesday and whatever and so I would send this stuff to my team and they're like listen everything's fine the you know they just were like oh the Western media is this overblown whatever so I was really concerned but I think my team really wasn't and so then when it happened we were all really surprised um, and you know, this, we were on Slack in real time. Who's where? How can we get you there? Um, it was pretty devastating. I think we just worked on, you know, trying to help people coordinate getting out of Kharkiv and over to the western part of the, the country and, like, you know, whose friend's house they could stay at, whose apartment they could stay at. Um, and, you know, I mean, a lot of... There are... You know, like there was one of our team members had a new baby and was in a basement in Kharkiv. Wow. And so trying to figure out how to get her out in a way that would be safe. And there's only so much I can do. Right. But there's like, hey, yeah. you know, like the whole team was coordinating and, you know, where she could go and where, where it would be safe and, you know, which roads were clear and which ones weren't. Um, and then I just raised money online 
um, because I didn't know what else to do. And um, so we were able to raise a lot of money, like 60 grand in six or seven days, in part because Mandy Patinkin is my best friend from college's father-in-law. And so he shared it with his network. So we got like a ton of support and then welcome through in 40 grand. So we had a hundred grand and that was used just for direct support for families. So So like if you needed to fly to um, somewhere, Australia, pay for your ticket. If you need, you know, I mean, people had just nothing. So you can imagine just leaving your house today and you need to get a new apartment. You have to pay a deposit. You have to um, buy a fridge a bed so um just we just gave chunks of money to people to enable that process so that that was not one additional stressor well that's amazing i mean that's that's really cool i mean that that's a powerful thing i feel like um today um in today's world right where you all in all the headlines you hear about companies just cutting jobs especially in the tech world and there's just this there's no empathy you know i i love that i love that kind of story where there definitely is these kind of empathetic stories right that that you know you don't just say that you're all humans at the company when the going's good you say it when the going's bad when they need when mm-hmm. they need help um I mean, yeah, that's incredible. I mean, so so during all of that, um, you're obviously just managing the health of your employees, but I guess on the mental side of it as well, are you still trying to keep them linked into projects at that time just to keep their brain active? Are you kind of more saying, hey, just step away if you need? I mean, how are you kind of handling that part? That would be an interesting part, I feel like. Well, I instituted seven days of PTO immediately, so nobody was allowed to work for seven days. Um, what I learned was that people actually really wanted to work to have some sense of normalcy because if they weren't, they were just spinning, watching the news. Like, um, so, so we did get back to work, but it wasn't business as usual in the sense that I got rid of a couple of clients who were just stressful to work with and, um, had a very me kind of attitude about it that I that yeah. was like uh, uh, okay so this isn't the energy I really want so it was a little bit of a purge in that yeah. sense I mean, it wasn't that many clients but it was just sort of like yeah we don't need this um, yeah. and then we kind of yeah yeah so then we just like diverted so for developers who had time now because we got rid of that project you know we just started building the projects that we wanted to build for the fun of it. Um, and that's how we launched Joy Labs, and that's why we started building for toddlers, because we had a bunch of toddlers. <laughs> oh, okay, cool. So, Okay, well, that's awesome. So I was actually going to ask that, too, of, like, where did Joy Labs come from, I guess? Um, and so so it's it's kind of just to, to shift the focus towards, I guess, toddlers and kind of a younger de- demographic, um, which that makes sense. Because well, looking through your portfolio, it's really funny, right? Because you, you have a lot of the, the, the projects that you see in a lot of portfolios, right? You have kind of your, your calendar, your tracking apps, these kind of business apps, enterprise applications, dashboards, internet, all these things. And then it's really cool to go to this other page and it's, and, and it's just fun stuff. I think that's such a cool thing. Um, that's like our heart and soul. If you want, like we are on the inside is, it's, it's that app. Um, that is so much a result of the post of the post Russian invasion reality that we were living in where like you just have to turn your face to the light or you will not survive, you know? Um, and we had all these babies, we had a bunch of babies in, um, 2021. 
So we had a bunch of toddlers running around, including my daughter. So we started making apps that would make them laugh out loud. That was our KPI, was whether or not they laughed out loud. Um, Smiling was also great, but we were really trying to get them to laugh out loud. So we did a lot of user testing for that. The user experience is super simple because it's for pre-literate children. Um, Mm. And I'm super proud of this app because my kids actively use it and love it. This is the only way I can get my daughter to sit down and let me put a ponytail in her hair is if she can play who farted. So, you know, it's actually really hard to build a product that people actually use all the time. So mm-hmm. super proud of it. There's a bunch of like movie stars who were and comedians oh, really? who were in it. Yeah. Oh, that's so, so cool. Did, so how did you launch this app? Like after the idea is like set in stone, like that is like, how did you launch this app? basically um well we just we launched it on the one year anniversary of the invasion um as a sort of protest i guess (laughs) um you know and to try to make as much kids laugh on that day as we could and all the all the profits from that app are headed to charities that benefit kids um, including kids in Ukraine at the Children's Hospital in Kiev. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it just it was, it's just so close to our hearts. Like, in yeah. we're really trying to do good with that project, and just it's just joy all the way through. So, check it out. Really do check it out and play with it. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. I definitely downloaded it and I just very quickly before the fight. And it's just it's fun. It's it's kind of like um like a Where's Waldo but with farting. It's it's kind of interesting. You're you're looking around and it is. It's really fun. I mean, um you know, and, and honestly needed. I mean, I know we talked about the pandemic, but I, I, I felt like so so a few of my clients, so I have clients that are kind of in the educational realm as well. And it was really interesting because when the pandemic happened you know, those first meetings were very dark, right? They were very like, I don't know what we're going to do. We may have to shut down and the schools are shutting down. But then I remember having those meetings of like, well, no, this is this is a, a time to like really blow this out. And can you can you interact with kids in a new way? I mean, this is really and, 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 and so I think things like this are so important because I think we're seeing now that having all these avenues for kids to learn and just have joy. I mean, it's super important. And if those aren't already made when a crisis happens, it's really hard to spin those up in the midst of a crisis so i think things like this are great to just have right they're just around all these things creating joy for kids yeah i have other ideas like i want to do i was thinking about travel like world travel and then having like these sort of worlds that one can interact with and learn about and i also thought about time travel and um now i'm just interested in maybe working with some kids to Mm -hmm. like have them draw characters and make stories and then animate them for them and put them in an app and maybe teach them about how how we coded that you know to like sort of bring their projects to life if you will that's cool Um, that's almost like a web web 3.0 version kind of of that right like you're the kids are creating the story they're creating everything somehow um i really love that making stuff is the best isn't it Oh yeah, oh yeah. It's it's especially when it's stuff like that where it's just like you know just I love the name of Joy Labs, right? Because that's that's the best feeling, right? When you when you see someone using it and you just see their, their them kind of light light up, you're like, that's it. That's what all those months and all that money, all those people, it was all for that moment, just for them to be happy. It's 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 huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. 
So, so with that being said, I guess what's uh, what's the future look like? I guess um, so. So you're you're doing these podcasts now. You're getting your message out there. You've you've done a lot in a short amount of time. I mean, that many products and in, in, in that amount of time is is pretty incredible. Um, what's next? I guess I mean, you, I, I know for me, like in, in the worlds that I'm in, we're talking about augmented reality. We're talking about all these things, right? Like, what is a website? What does an app become now when we're talking about it being in space and stuff? So, mm-hmm. is that is that kind of on your on your guys' horizon? I guess what's on your horizon? Is it more joy projects or? Um. Well, we're relaunching our website, website, Sean, which you'll appreciate. Um, <laughs> Good luck. Love your feedback. I'm like, yeah. it's literally happening right now. It's like moving through the interwebs. That was like a fun, and I've like worked on that for over a year. And uh-huh. <laughs> like in my mind, I was like, I need to do this like mm-hmm. last July, and then it's me forever. So I launched that. I'm having fun talking to more people. Like we've just. Um, we're just excited to do more harder fun things um spatial design i think is really interesting i'm the use case i'm questioning a little bit like i just have never in my life been like oh i want my phone to fill the whole room you know um so i yeah i don't know like yeah AI is super fun to layer into products. So I'm actually having a lot of fun with that and doing more internet of things. We're like working with a product that has temperature, light and sound sensors, and we can use AI to, to say, figure out what's being listened to. Like, oh, that was a dog barking. That was a music or a movie being played um, at somebody yelling. So we can say, oh, the baby was awake at this time and it was because of this or whatever. So um and and when somebody was in a room and when they left a room um it's that's iot and ai are really exciting also using ai to crunch data like do some data science for us Mm -hmm. um when we have just giant data sets and it's hard to find like a part-time data scientist who's like amazing to just you know so (laughs) That's kind of interesting. So, what are the your future predictions with like AI and like implementing it into the workforce and automation on all that jazz? Because like, if you own a company, you probably see like, oh, I can replace this, but I don't want to replace that person. So, what are your thoughts on that? Because it's like a weird time. Oh, well, in my mind, it's like I'm always thinking about it as how can we use this as like a rocket booster you know, to do what we do better, faster. So AI can't write code. It can't conceptualize and solve problems in a perfect way. Um, But it can do a lot of menial work that we don't really want to be spending our time doing. So it can just make us a lot faster. Um, It can, you know, run tests on code. There's a lot of stuff that AI can do to improve code code quality and for standards, things like that, that um, is cool doesn't replace anyone it just makes everyone faster and better um positivity (laughs) yeah and i i'm really excited about how i can layer it into these products we're building for our clients we can just do really super exciting things that that it's it's attainable and really doable now for a lot of people so um providing better insights better information you know by plugging ai in in the right places one thing that's a little bit annoying to me is like everybody's 
putting remember when everyone was talking about blockchain yeah. and then everybody was talking, like ai is a new thing to just insert into your pitch deck um yeah. but i think you know i find people see people doing it in like kind of uh unnecessary ways what's the word for that it's uh i, I mean gratuitous gratuitous uh, ai yes. oh we're gonna add a chat gpt feature but AI can do so many much cooler kind of background data crunching things that I think is much more exciting than, oh, we're going to add a chat bot, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, 100%. I mean, I think it's it's interesting. Um, you know, I, I talked to one of my friends who's a, is a game designer, and he's really excited because now we're talking about, you know, generative games on a level that is insane, where, like, you'll have a whole city and the whole building is all made up of rooms with furniture, with breakable windows and openable doors because of AI. And so, so yeah, so when I think about, yeah, when I think about, you know, web design and, 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 you know, app design and things like that, it's just, it's incredible when you start to think, it's almost like when AB, APIs and web when those first came on the scene like how it's just like all these doors just opened up and I feel like with AI it's like it's almost like the API of everything now it's just like well we can hook in almost anything now with an AI um, and that's what's really cool you know I, I think in early in my career it was all about like how do you make things in physical reality how do you make them quantifiable in data right so you know are we tracking eye movements are we are we tracking like geospatial where are they and and now with AI, I feel like those things were all, are almost always hypothetical things. Are they were almost really rudimentary kind of things we had to do to capture that data. But now with AI, it's just like it seems like you can you can collect any data from any data set um, instantaneously almost. So, so that yeah. is exciting. And AR augmented reality is kind of fun too. Like we were doing something for a client where we are having somebody do stretches, and then we're tracking all of their body points and their movements to tell them how flexible they are and like give them a score which is super fun you know um yeah it's a cool fun world to play in for sure oh that's so cool that's so cool well, before we wrap up here, I guess I just um, I definitely want to bring this back um, just for our young viewers out there. Um, you know, let's say I'm 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 a graphic designer. Let's say, well, like, which a lot of us start as, like in the in in the designer world, a lot of us start as a graphic designer. So let's mm-hmm. say I'm, I'm I'm kind of a kid. Who's, you know, I've done brochures, I've done business cards. Maybe I've dabbled in some in some you know w- websites. Maybe I've played in Figma or Sketch or one of these kind of design first apps. You know, what would you tell that person, I guess, if they want to get into the career? Is, is, is it best to go to school? Is it best to get certifications? Like, what's the best way, you think, to, to get better quicker? Follow the energy. You know, the energy. like, I have found in my career that, like, planning is, like, a joke. You know, like, being like here's my five-year plan. I'm going to do this. I'm going to go to Like, it's too bad because wouldn't that be great? With that, just so much less anxiety if you can just plan it out and execute it and everything works out as planned. You actually don't want to do it that way because there could be these more exciting things that can show up that you won't even see because you're just executing on your plan and you're committed to your plan. And so it's good to stay open and watch where the opportunities show up and where the energy is flowing. This feels really good. This feels really right. So I'm going to follow that and be open to that. Um, Something that some... So I would say welcome... I built welcome accidentally. It's kind of true. Like that wasn't, that was me following the energy because my intention was to do something totally different, you know? Um, I just like, okay, here's this thing I need to do for these people. And so I'm going to do this and then get better at it and keep getting better at it. Um, 
I, you know, something that someone said to me once was, everything happens automatically. Mm. And I love that. It's just like, set your sight on something, do the things that need to be done, that you know you can do, and let it unfold. Um, in my experience, as like naive as everything happens automatically seems, like that's actually proven out for me. So have faith, wow. I guess. I like that. That takes a lot of pressure away when you know it will unfold. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I do. I love that. I mean, because, yeah, we live in a time where there's so many videos of like, you know, here's how to do this and only five easy steps. Here's how I made a million dollars in one week. You get all these kind of like, here's the pathway forward. But I love what you just said. You said there, there really is no pathway. You just have to let things happen more than you try to make things happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that. I love that. Well, well, thank you so much, Lindsay. It's been such a great talk with you. Um, uh, I think it's so cool to just get a grasp of kind of what, you know, you've, you've been doing this for so many years and to see that you're still reinventing, you're still thinking of kind of new things you can be doing, new approaches, new ways to think of stuff, even in the midst of chaos. So, so yeah, so thank you for coming on and sharing. This, is, this has been awesome. It's such a blast. Stay in touch, you guys. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Quick right. question, where can they follow you? Like Instagram? LinkedIn. Or whatever. LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm trying to post there. So follow <laughs> me. Like, I'm, I'm really yeah, trying. Cool. cool. We're going to put that all in the gotcha. description. So for everyone out there, definitely follow Lindsay. She's, she's awesome. She's been doing it. She's, this is not her first rodeo. So follow her. She's, she says really cool stuff on podcasts like this. So, so yeah. So thank you, Lindsay. <laughs> um, have a great day. And um, thanks, everybody. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> oh, cool. She just.